Bottles are popped and table services for everybody at the Julius Randle coming out party last night. The Knicks get their revenge against the Cleveland Cavaliers as we break down the win and the upcoming pivotal stretch ahead for the New York Knicks with beat writer Mark Berman. We're also joined by point guard and pivotal member of the New York Knicks in the 1990s who helped lead them to their last NBA Finals appearance, Charlie Ward, also a Heisman Trophy winner. And also, me and my man Jake Brown, we head to the garden, get some KP fan reactions, some locker room quotes, and much, much more next on Big Apple Buckets with the New York Post. Yeah, it's going crazy. <laughs> Here they are, the New York Knicks. Welcome to Big Apple Buckets, a New York Post, New York Knicks podcast. I'm your host, Kazim Famiwide, but you can call me Kaz. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Kazim, K-A-Z-E-E-M. We come at you each and every Tuesday breaking down your Knicks and longtime New York Knicks beat writer Mark Berman. He's going to join us today. He's a longtime friend of the show. We've also got to hang out in the locker room on Thursday night, so we got to talk with Frank Nielakina, Wayne Ellington, and a bunch of other crazy New York Knicks fans as we welcome back Chris Daps Porzingis to the friendly confines of Madison Square Garden. This guy was a fan favorite back in the day, especially during those bully ball 90s Knicks days. He's a Heisman Trophy winner, and he helped lead the Knicks to their last NBA Finals appearance. Charlie Ward joins Big Apple Buckets. We've got a lot to do today, so let's get this party started. It's a packed episode. Let's get it. Last night was a big Big win for the New York Knicks, man. The rare stress-free laugher in Madison Square Garden with Julius Randle finally, finally, finally had a coming-out party, going 12 for 17, 30 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, 1 turnover. This is the guy that the New York Knicks gave the big money contract to over the summer, man. And for a guy who has been through it so much, and, you know, shout-out to him, we talked at, at, at Champ Sports this past weekend, this Friday night, right after the big game against the Mavericks, uh, courtesy of Slam. And, you know, he knew he needed a game like this. And with Kevin Love out, Larry Nance out for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and especially how they came into the Garden last week and absolutely thumped the Knicks, prompting Scott Perry and Steve Mills to sound the alarms and panic everybody within the building. It was a good bounce-back win for the Knicks going 2-3 and three this week. Uh, two out of three, rather, uh, in, in Madison Square Garden. In, in other news, the Cavs just also happen to be terrible. You know what I mean? So let's not get too high or too low uh, because, you know, they were without, like I said, two of their big front court players. And, you know, a guy like Julius Randle, if you're getting paid that type of money, if you're putting up that many shots and get the ball in your hands that many times, you should have a game like that. But anything notwithstanding, he balled out. And hopefully this could be the start of some great things for him uh, in the future. In addition to that, man, it was a crazy week in Knicks land, starting off last week with the nationally televised game with the big return of Kristaps Porzingis. And my goodness, if you thought that what the Knicks chants were, were, were being, <laughs> if you thought the Knicks chants that were going on during the Garden were, were, were way too PG for you, wait until you hear what we have later on the show. Me and my man Jake Brown, one of the producers on the show, we actually got to go to the Garden. We walked around the locker room. We talked to a lot of fans and got their uncut, unfiltered thoughts on what they really thought on the unicorn coming back to New York City. And I'm going to tell you, 
uh, parental advisories uh, might need to be uh, used for this episode because Knicks fans are very passionate. I know, very, very surprising. I know, but uh, these guys were. It was, it was a great talk. We also talked with Frank Nilakina, Wayne Ellington, and uh, many more Knicks back there in the locker room. But uh, let's get let's get into it, man. We got a lot to get to. I don't want to talk your heads off. Let's get to it. We walked around the concourse of Madison Square Garden and just started asking fans if they had any favorite Chris Apps Porzingis memories that they want to look back fondly off of. This is what they said. First putback dunk, uh-huh. because that's what really put us on the KP. You remember when KP got drafted in 2015, nobody knew about him. Mm-hmm. So everybody booed him during the draft. When he came in his first putback dunk against the Bucks, mm-hmm. everybody was like, yo, who is this dude? And from there on, we fell in love with him. I remember when Porzingis just dunked it over like three Toronto Raptors players. And I'm like, finally, we have a savior. Mm-hmm. We have somebody to dream, hope about. But you know what? Christos Porzingis, like I said before, I cannot stand Christos Porzingis, and we don't have no more loyalty to Christos Porzingis. We also asked many Knicks fans, where were they the day that Christos Porzingis got traded? And while we asked a lot of folks, there was one person who pretty much summed it up the best for us. Take a listen. Oh, man. I was at work, and I see Woj say, Knicks talking about Porzingis trading. I'm like, what the? Come on, Porzingis. Come on, out of all people, we can't trade KP. And as the trade starts getting closer and closer, it was just out of this world, man. I was, like, amazed and disappointed. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's Porzingis. (laughs) I can't stand Porzingis. He ruined the whole The whole system we had going on for Porzingis. We had everything set up for Porzingis, and he just going to it up. That's why my shirt says, Porzingis sucks because I cannot stand Christoph Porzingis. And saving the best for last, before the game even tipped off, we asked fans if they were going to boo Christoph Porzingis when he got into the game. I think you know the answer to that one. I'm I'm going for the home team, so of course I booed him when he came out. (laughs) Of course. Seemingly, yes, I did. And we'll be back every year hereafter to continue to boo Porzingis. Only Porzingis, not Dennis Smith Jr. or Tim Hardaway. Hell yeah, boo for sure. (laughs) I am going to boo the out of Christoph Porzingis. If you hear me, you're going to hear me the first boo. And while we were conducting some more interviews, we had an old friend come and pop up and make sure we heard him the first time. Like I said earlier, Christoph Porzingis, man. Christoph Porzingis, man. Right after the game, Coach Fisdale addressed the media at a press conference, saying that he had a conversation with Frank Nielakina where he stated, I'm starting to get my legs under me as, as an NBA player, and I just wanted to let you know that I'm a dog too. I asked Frank Nielkina about that conversation, exactly how it went. Uh, it was cool. It was it was a great conversation. It was just uh, me, you know, getting back into the groove with the team, mm-hmm. um, putting in a lot of work during the summer, uh, even before, mm-hmm. because I was injured. And just, yeah, you know, me coming in and just telling the coach, let's go, let's go. It's a new start. It's a new year. Um, we got something to do. And, and I'm going to be here going 100%. And I want also... You, if you see anything, you see uh, that I'm, I'm relaxing sometimes. I want you to tell me and not letting anything, mm-hmm. uh, any, any little stuff go away. So it was it was kind of, yeah, it was the conversation. It was a uh, good feeling, and it was like, yeah, just saying, let's go, let's get it. Frank Nilakina was turned all the way up against the Mavericks in Madison Square Garden, and I asked him why he keeps him turned up when he got his headphones on his head, and this is what he said. 
Right now, no, right now I'm gonna give you a little baby. Okay. Whoa, the new, the new hit. Whoa, yeah, it's going crazy. And during the game, Woj dropped a trademark Woj bomb, announcing that Carmelo Anthony, formerly of the New York Knicks, will be returning to the NBA and playing for the Portland Trailblazers. I talked to veteran shooting guard Wade Ellington about his thoughts. Yeah, no, nah, he deserves it, man. Mm-hmm. He deserves it. You know, I've seen, uh, you know, all over the internet, and I've heard that he's been putting in a lot of work. And, uh, you know, I got it, you know, with, with his type of uh, resume. You know, he deserves to go out on his own terms. Another way that he was, you know, he was being treated. So I'm happy for him. Um, it's a new start for him. I'm Duh. sure he'll take full advantage of it. It's a packed show this week, and joining me, as usual, is longtime New York Knicks beat writer, my man Mark Berman of the New York Post. Mark, how you feeling, buddy? Hey, doing great, Kaz. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. It's always good. It's always a good time when I could talk some Knicks with you, especially after a win like last night. Uh, the Knicks went two and three this week. Big win against the Mavericks. Kind of a letdown against the uh, Charlotte Hornets and that buzzer beater. And then last night. Uh, Julius Randle, you know, finally broke out of his slump, had a big win, a, a relatively stress-free night for the Knicks, first time in a long time. Uh, how much do you attribute to that as the Knicks starting to gel a little bit more and the Cavaliers being just a, a, a bad basketball team? What, what what was more apparent last night from what you saw? Well, the Cavaliers were also shorthanded without Kevin Love and Nance. So Julius Randle, you know, had his way and he needed this game last night desperately. You know, he had been struggling on social media. Fans were upset that he was given the ball in the final shot in the last second against Charlotte. He shot the air ball. So for Julius to come up with 30 points, 23 in the first half, even though it's against a depleted team, you could see him starting to figure it out, Kaz. And they gave him $63 million, the only free agent signed to multiple years. Steve Mills, even more than David Fisdale, needs Randall to perform close to an all-star level, and we hadn't seen that. So just a huge night for Randall. Big night for the Knicks, because you know what happened last time when Cleveland visited the Garden uh, with Steve Mills and Scott Perry holding that uh, – unfortunate press conference uh, in the post game. What do you see now? Just just from the naked eye, like what do you see with these Knicks as far as effort, as far as playing together? I feel like they've kind of established Frank as as the point guard now and uh you know Julius Randle had a pretty good game. RJ Barrett's doing things that are a lot of not 19-year-olds are able to do. Um what have you seen since then and now ever since the big press conference that sounded the alarms and put David Fisdale on the proverbial hot seat? Well, I think they're playing a little more relaxed at home. Uh, As you know, being in the Garden last Thursday night, it never sounded like that in a long, long time. The support for the Knicks and the booze for Przingis and Dallas. And I think they really rode with that. They've played three straight solid games at the Garden. No booze from the fans. Morris is steady. Milikina is getting a, a real rhythm at the point guard position. Listen, we know he's not breaking down the defense, but he's hitting his jump shots. He's moving the ball, playing great defense, rebounding, uh, notching assists. So that's become a staple. 
And Taj Gibson at center, starting the game with his grit, Mitchell coming off the bench, they're starting to figure out a rotation that makes sense. And we didn't even mention Damian Dotson, unsung guy. I wrote about him in today's post. Uh, was a complete afterthought when the regular season began uh, because of his shoulder surgery. Didn't play any of the preseason. He's really adding uh, a lot of energy on defense. He makes hustle plays. His shot was coming along last night, but he's still got to get – he didn't shoot for a couple of months over the summer because of the surgery. So things are coming together. They've played three straight good games. The Knicks have a pretty brutal stretch coming up. Uh, games at the Sixers versus the Spurs versus the Nets one more time at Toronto. The Sixers again. The Celtics, Bucks, Nuggets, Pacers, Blazers, and Warriors. All those teams were playoff teams last year. Could be playoff teams this year, probably with the exception of the Golden State Warriors. Is this a stretch that can make or break the season and make or break David Fisdale's tenure as a New York Knicks head coach? Yeah, I think it's going to make or break the season for sure. I mean, they could, they'll be underdogs in almost every game. Uh, maybe Golden State. I don't know what their record will be at the time, but it is a road game uh, in San Francisco. But I really believe if Fisdale could at least have the Knicks competitive, not necessarily go five and six, if he could get three, four wins, be competitive in the other games, I think he'll be okay. Uh, they go to Philly tomorrow, huge test. They do not play well against this team, have a tough time against Simmons. They've lost eight straight uh, to Philly, six straight in Philly. Uh, it's going to be a battle. And who's going to guard Simmons? Could be a great test for Nilakina. I'd love to see Barrett get some action on Simmons. But, yeah, th these ne this next stretch is going to tell a lot about where this team is. They've had a little, you know, soft stretch of the schedule and they didn't take enough advantage they are two and two in the last four but uh it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle the uptick in competition one of those games uh on the upcoming schedule is against the brooklyn nets uh before the mavericks game i would tell you that was probably the biggest game of the year um now the nets are kind of ever since that game are kind of going in the opposite direction as well if you know just in your opinion if the Knicks don't necessarily make the best of these games, but have a great showing against the Brooklyn Nets and beat them and, you know, reestablish themselves as a team in New York, do you see that as something that could really propel the team and keep Fisdale for, uh, and, you know, a lot of the front office away from, uh, you know, going off the deep end for this season? Yeah, well, I think those two victories against Przingis carries a lot of weight. Uh, Jim Dolan was courtside and his baseline seat witnesses said they've never seen him cheer so hard during a game but beating Brooklyn no doubt that's that would be a major victory Knicks have only one less victory than the Nets right now so it's not like the Nets are dominating the Knicks should have a very good chance in that game they took uh, Brooklyn into the fourth quarter it was a great game in Brooklyn so yeah uh, victories over Brooklyn and Persingas uh, are huge for David Fisdale. And uh, one last question I, I just I would love to get your thoughts on 
is uh, the play of the backcourt. I mean, we're starting to see some really good synergy between Nilakina and R.J. Barrett, uh, especially defensively. You mentioned earlier that, um, you know, Frank Nilakina not necessarily breaking down defenses, but starting to hit open shots and starting to be very uh, effective as a, as, a, as a maestro for the team. Um, but Dennis Smith Jr., you know, we didn't get to really talk so much about him. He had a pretty rough go of it in the beginning of the season, but he had probably his best game of the season against the Dallas Mavericks, starting to play with a little bit more bounce in his step. And uh, I know uh, Fisdale mentioned that the loss that he suffered personally kind of put basketball in perspective for him. What have you seen out of Dennis Smith Jr., especially when it comes to the overall outlook of his team after picking up his option and, you know, a lot of his success – being based on whether the Porzingis trade is, is a win or net win or a net loss in them. What have you seen out of Dennis Smith Jr. since his return? Well, in that Dallas game, he was one of the heroes. He was terrific. It was only a second game back from being away from the team for two weeks. And he just drove that paint. He channeled Tony Parker, as he told us afterward. We actually put him on our back page. Is this the turning point? Unfortunately, after that terrific outing against Dallas, he's had two mediocre performances, especially against Charlotte, where he got five fouls in eight minutes. So he's still feeling it out. He hasn't played enough minutes yet. Fisdale's giving him every opportunity. I don't see Alfred Payton coming back anytime soon. Again, David said, listen, we have to be patient because he's gone through a lot uh, these past few weeks. And there's going to be up and down games. But when if you saw that Dallas game, you saw that potential. You saw that chemistry with Mitchell Robinson on the alley-oops. I still feel there's a future for Dennis Smith Jr. And I just think he's got to get more minutes in, more reps, more, more games. As always, Mark Berman, it's great having you here. Uh, eyes and ears on the Knicks at all times. There's nobody better in the business. Thank you so much, man. And, you know, see you next week on Big Apple Buckets, buddy. All right, beautiful, Cass. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. And now I bring in my large, bald-headed producer pal, Jake Brown, who gives us the fans' perspective in this week's letter from the fans. Dear Knicks, was that Julius Randle or Julius Caesar Monday night? Art thou get buckets, young fella. You guys paid Randle big bucks, and we really saw what he can do in a very rare, comfortable Knicks victory. It was a joy to watch. But man, oh man, is this Knicks basketball, or did I get a speed pass to get to the front of the rockin' roller coaster at Universal Studios? This has been a roller coaster weekend season for David Fisdale's squad. From the press conference debacle after getting blown out by the Cavs a week ago, to being there for the electric atmosphere Thursday night, beating the Latvian lizard in his return to the garden, to a pitiful double-digit blown lead, losing in the final second Saturday to a dominant victory Monday. The Knicks are playing with my emotions more than a girl out of my league that has me in a Jim Beheim friend zone defense. But now comes a stretch of games that will make or break the Knicks season. After this stretch of 11 games against playoff teams, we can know the fate of this team and Coach Fisdale before Hanukkah, Christmas, and Kwanzaa arrive. In a month, the Knicks could be getting cold for the holidays, unless Randall and company play like they did Monday against the Cavs, that is. It's difficult to imagine this team playing as flawless as they did when the competition is on another level. Sixers, Spurs, Nets, Raptors, Sixers, Celtics, Bucks, Nuggets, Pacers, Blazers, Warriors. They make the Cavs look like my 10th grade rec basketball team with me playing the version of Baby Shaq making it rain 7-foot hook shots circa Kareem in 85. So buckle up, fellow Knicks fans. Your emotions might not be played with for much longer. 
might just get left unread from the fans. <laughs> Joining me this week on Big Apple Buckets, we have a very special guest, like we do each and every week. This man played for the New York Knicks from 1994 through 2004, and he shocked the world after winning the Heisman Trophy and entering the NBA draft, becoming the first round pick in 1994. Make some noise for my man, Charlie Ward. Charlie Ward, what's going on, man? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Feeling good, feeling good. The Knicks won yesterday, so it's a lot more easier to talk to you uh, this morning. <laughs> so it's not that uh, it's it's a little bit easier to stomach a conversation, man. Especially this year, the Knicks. You've seen a lot of things as far as effort, as far as like getting a lot of players together. You being a point guard, you being a quarterback in in football, you got to be able to see everything and be able to read the tea leaves about what a team's chemistry is made up of. The Knicks have a lot of new players that are still kind of figuring themselves out. As a point guard, what was the most important thing for you when it came to ingratiating new teams together to kind of make sure that they play together and play well? Uh, well, you know, the year that we went to the uh, NBA Finals, uh, that was a relatively new team. And it took us, you know, the whole regular season because it was a lockout year uh, to get to know one another, um, play well together, and those kinds of things. So we were... Uh, at best, average, because uh, Coach Van Gundy uh, had a certain system and we had to integrate some new players coming from new systems and mindsets and those types of things. So it took us some time to to, uh, to figure things out. Uh, but when it was all said and done, once we hit the playoffs, uh, we were able to uh, deal and play as one unit uh, because guys knew what we wanted to do and where we were supposed to be and helping one another. And offensively, you know, finding each other, finding each other's uh, sweet spot, and guys, what they, what they like to do, and so it took us some time. Um, and I know the Knicks, they really put this team together. They have some holdovers from last year, uh, but for the most part, they've integrated uh, some some relatively new uh, pieces. And these guys, I think, are still working to figure out, you know, who going to be the dominant player at certain times and who's going to step up and make plays when you need it. Uh, but when it's all said and done, uh, hopefully you can continue to improve each and every game um, and guys can, can use what Coach Fitz and his staff are, are trying to instill in them about playing great effort because we know that effort uh, and, of course, execution will definitely give you a chance every night if you have, uh, you know, if you have the, the players, which I think they do, they're just young and some are some veterans there, but um, it really comes down to just giving yourself a chance each and every night by playing hard, uh, playing with great execution, um, and, you know, things are, you'll win some games. When you think about all the losing that the Knicks have faced in the past 20 years, how much more does it make you appreciate those late 90s teams that you were a part of, that did go to the NBA Finals. That did, you know, put out that that vintage 90s Knicks effort, especially when it comes to Madison Square Garden in New York City. A team that, you know, we don't necessarily, I mean, winning is great, obviously, but a lot of times we care about the character of the team. And are you playing hard? Are you giving it your all every single night? Um, how much did it make you appreciate the teams that you were a part of that you helped lead to the NBA Finals? Well, I'm appreciative of all the teams I was a part of, whether it was in New York, whether it was Florida State, uh, all the different uh, teams that I have opportunity to play for. Um, and, you know, our team, 
the teams that, that made the playoffs, you know, six straight years, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of grit. And it came from the coach, of course, uh, and what they instilled in us uh, when it came down to how we were going to play. Um, and we also had some very good basketball players that we that, that was assembled. And guys, you know, played their roles, understood their roles, um, and made necessary plays uh, we needed to make to be successful. And, you know, the support in New York is always, you know, one or, one or the other. Um, when you're winning, things are really, really good. When you're losing, uh, you know, they're going to let you know about it. But the thing that I was um, encouraged by the other night when I saw them playing the Mavs uh, was how how enthused the crowd was. And it was essential because the guys gave them something to cheer about. Um, they were playing great effort. Uh, they were playing hard. Uh, they were executing well and uh, doing a great job. And so, you know, the crowd was in it. Um, and just like Madison Square Garden, they, they still come to the game. Um, and I think that's what Coach Fitz um, was preaching to his guys was about, you know, just playing with great effort, executing the offense and defensively, uh, playing a certain way so that we can give ourselves a chance each and every night. And that's what we did. You know, we, we gave ourselves a chance each and every night by playing solid defense. And then offensively, of course, we weren't, you know, the fast-paced group, uh, but we, we made things happen. Uh, from an offense standpoint, we had some firepower uh, when it came to that. You know, Latrell, Patrick, Allen, um, you know, John Stark during that time, Larry Johnson. So we had some firepower offensively, uh, but it was up to us from the, from the defensive end to make sure that we – establish ourselves to give ourselves a chance each and every right to win the, win the basketball game. A lot of things about uh, giving effort and playing defense has to do with just having that fight and not being able to, you know, back down from anybody. You were somebody who didn't back down from anyone, uh, especially P.J. Brown in 1997 when he played the Miami Heat and you guys are kind of rolling all over <laughs> each other. Take me back to uh, what led to that. Um, you know, just in addition to the already heated rivalry between the Knicks and the Miami Heat, I'd love to just kind of go inside your head and just t- take me into your mind about what it was like going through those moments in the, in the NBA. Uh, well, it definitely wasn't something that, um, you know, I was proud of, a moment I was proud of, but it, it actually was a competitive moment. Um, and that's something that, you know, when you're competing, those things are going to happen. Um, and it happened and, you know, I kind of moved on from it, definitely learned from it. Um, and I share that story with people who ask, uh, especially the kids that I coach today are here at Florida High in Tallahassee. Um, so it's, um, you know, it's like I said, something that I'm not proud of, but it's a moment that I'll always, uh, speak about because it just goes to show you, um, you know, how you can rebound from, from mistakes uh, that you've made and you're not trying to cover up or explain why it happened and and those that be prideful about it. Um, so PJ and I are good friends today. Um, and so you know, there's no lingering effect. We're both competitive and the moment just happened. And, of course, it was part of the Miami-New York Knicks robbery. Um, and those things definitely happen more, more consistently than – you know, any other time. Um, and, 
because both of our teams were coached by the same guy pretty much, you know, same thought process. And we had some very competitive games, and I really, I think all of us enjoyed just the, the, the competition uh, piece, uh, which was uh, always, you know, very, very good. So, you know, it was a great, great time. Um, definitely missed, you know, those, those opportunities to be able to compete at a high level when it came to, you know, basketball or even football, it really didn't matter. But uh, now that I'm coaching, you know, I, I try to instill that in my kids, you know, about competing um, at a high level. And, and once you hit the hit the hardwood, you know, even if they're friends, you still compete. Um, and, and you're not taking anything, uh, taking, any, taking them lightly. Uh, just because they're friends, uh, if anything else, I mean, if anything, you're going to compete even harder against your friends because you, you want to have bragging rights. And so, you know, for us, uh, we were fortunate to be able to, you know, win more series than they did um, during that time. Uh, but that actually, that incident cost us um, an opportunity to, to win the series because we had uh, some Suspension. Both of those teams were pretty much coached by the same guy, you know, when it comes to Riley and the Van Gundys and that, that Nixon Heat rivalry that so many people look back with a lot of fondness, especially now in the NBA where, you know, a lot, a lot of that stuff you probably couldn't get away with. So I got to ask you this, man. Anytime I think about that rivalry, I think about Jeff Van Gundy holding on to Alonzo Morning's leg, getting dragged around the court. So, um, I mean, now we can we can look back at it and 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 laugh a little bit. But I just want to get your thoughts on on what was going through your mind when you saw your coach hanging off of a, a seven foot center's uh, leg for dear life. Um. Well, I mean, we laughed we laughed about it at that time as well. So it wasn't like we can look back and laugh. We we laughed at it at that time as well. Um, but all I can think of is that's just that's the way he taught us to play. You know, he was gonna fight uh, for what he felt was right and, you know, he was just he was he was just as competitive as we were. And so that was just, you know, his competitive spirit coming out that he was going to defend. Uh, it wasn't he was out there fighting, he was out there trying to break up case I mean break up the fight but that was just the way he went about his business and as a player that's what you appreciate about the coach um, just him showing his competitive spirit and his willingness to sacrifice his body because that's what he was sharing with us and so you know probably wasn't a smart thing to do uh, but um, that's just who he is and um, and that's one of the things I admire about him um, as a player, and um, and so even today as a coach, you know I admire that that competitive spirit and that fight that he had uh, as well. Last question I want to ask you, Charlie. Uh, I just want to get your thought process on choosing the NBA over the NFL. You had a unique opportunity that a lot of people don't ever really get maybe the closest thing we could relate it to right now is I guess Kyler Murray at Arizona Cardinals who you know was ready to be a star baseball player but ended up choosing football you were a star football player ended up choosing basketball as a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback for Florida State just how close were you to choosing the NFL over the NBA and do you believe that um, you could have matched the success in the NFL 
that you had in the NBA had you chosen that path? Uh, of course, I'm a belief that I could have been uh, had success in the NFL. Don't know if that happened, but I can always believe because uh, I was going to. I knew I would put the time and energy and work into my craft and uh, making the best out of whatever situation I would have been in. Um, and so I will always believe that. Um, but, you know, between the NFL and the NBA, um, I always tell people it's just it's more so about a job opportunity. Um, and, you know, I made a statement that if I didn't get drafted in the first round, that I would consider my other options is football. And, of course, the NFL um, chose not to draft me, uh, which was their prerogative. And, you know, I was part of it. And I uh, made a decision to, you know, go ahead and focus more on the NBA. I want, um, well, I was focusing on more so developing my basketball uh, skills. Uh, once I graduated my senior year playing, uh, playing basketball at Florida State, um, I decided to focus more because I was behind. Um, and I put a little time in football uh, preparing for uh, pro day on campus, uh, but I spent most of my time being prepared and ready for the NBA because I was really, really behind, and I wanted to give myself an opportunity to at least have uh, two options. And so uh, that's the way I approached it. And the NFL, of course, you know, I had my pro day. I did okay, um, but it wasn't what what they wanted to hear as far as me hope, keeping the door open. Um, and they wanted me to commit 100%, just very similar to Kyler Murray. Uh, they wanted me to commit 100%, which I understood um, at the time. But I wanted to keep my options open, and I did. So uh, that's the reason why I had to get chosen in the NFL draft. Um, but the NBA saw enough of me uh, that they thought that I had great upside, and so they afforded me an opportunity to come through, come to work, uh, with all the pre-draft camp, I uh, had a few workouts, and then the day of the draft, um, you know, the New York Knicks allowed me the opportunity to get drafted in the first round. Charlie Ward, you've lived a, an amazing life, a unique career, and uh, you're always appreciated as a, as a New York Knick, man. Thank you for your time, and thank you for coming on Big Apple Buckets, Charlie. Have a good one. Oh, you too. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you, boss. And that closes the door on this week's episode of Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast with the New York Post. Thanks to our bald-headed friend Jake Brown for producing this podcast every week and making that happen. We got you covered each and every Tuesday with new episodes, but make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere that you get your podcasts, man. Make sure you give us five stars, write a review, leave a comment. All that stuff is extremely important, so please do that for us. You can find more Knicks news by signing up for our daily NY post sports newsletter and by visiting nypost.com we'll be back next tuesday talking more knickerbockers basketball we will see you then peace